the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. A reading from the book of Genesis. Listen for God's word to you. Jacob looked up and saw Esau approaching with 400 men. Jacob divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two women servants. He put the servants and their children first, Leah and her children after them, Rachel and Joseph last. He himself went in front of them and bowed to the ground seven times as he was approaching his brother. But Esau ran to meet him, threw his arms around his neck, kissed him, and they wept. Esau looked up and saw the women and children and said, who are these with you? Jacob said, the children that God generously gave your servant. The women servants and their children came forward and bowed down. Then Leah and her children also came forward and bowed. And afterwards, Joseph and Rachel came forward and bowed. Esau said, what's the meaning of this entire group of animals I met? Jacob said, to ask for my master's kindness. Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what is yours. Jacob said, no, no, please do me the kindness of accepting my gift. Seeing your face is like seeing God's face, since you have accepted me so warmly. Take this present that I've brought, because God has been generous to me, and I have everything I need. So Jacob persuaded him, and Esau took it. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Listen, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive as many as seven times? Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven 
is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought to him a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Because the servant didn't have enough to pay it back, the master ordered that he should be sold along with his wife and children and everything he had and that the proceeds should be used as payment. But the servant fell down, kneeled before him and said, please be patient with me and I will pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant, released him and forgave the loan. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 coins. He grabbed him around the throat and said, pay me what you owe me. Then his fellow servant fell down and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he threw him into prison until he paid back his debt. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply offended. They came and told their master all that had happened. His master called the first servant and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? His master was furious and handed him over to the guard responsible for punishing prisoners until he had paid the whole debt. Jesus said, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Somehow, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Born in Kenya to Somali parents, the poet Warsan Shire grew up in the United Kingdom. Deeply connected to these nations, their pain and promise often spill over into her lines. In her poem, What They Did Yesterday Afternoon, Warsan Shire writes this. They set my aunt's house on fire. I cried the way women on TV do, holding at the middle like a five pound note. I called the boy who used to love me, tried to okay my voice. I said, hello. He said, Warsaw. What's wrong? What's happened? I've been praying, 
and these are what my prayers look like. Dear God, I come from two countries. One is thirsty, the other is on fire, both need water. Later that night, I held an atlas to my lap, ran my fingers around the whole world and whispered, where does it hurt? It answered, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. The world's pain spans across longitude and latitude. It is both massive and micro. It even spirals through the centuries. Matthew the evangelist dipped his pen in it and scribbled out suffering on his gospel page. Debt, slavery, torture. And scrawled across the scrolls of Genesis, bloodshed and betrayal split apart the very families through whom God means to multiply blessings. It hurts everywhere. In our grieving world, mourning thousands upon thousands upon thousands dead from disease and disaster and warfare. It hurts everywhere. In our broken hearts with wounds that would resist healing, it hurts everywhere, even in the heart of God. We don't make that connection right away when we hear the word mercy. Mercy sounds like punishment withheld or favor extended to some poor wretch. Lord have mercy rises in our prayers and rings in our song. When we say mercy, we seldom understand it as misericordia. Misericordia, the last time English speakers regularly heard those syllables, my father was a small child attending mass pre-Vatican II when the liturgy was in Latin. Misericordia, Latin for a heart full of pain and pity, a heart of compassion, a broken heart. I didn't hear the broken hearted God in Jesus' words, did you? Here's what I heard, that mercy is a limited resource. Forgive or else. Get your act together or God will give up on you. And the little whisper, God has probably already given up on you. 
I know a therapist who asks her clients, who is telling you that? As in, when you say that you're unlovable, when you say that the job will probably fall through, when you say that you are a failure, who is telling you that? If you, like me, hear veiled threats and divine disgust in our gospel reading, friends, hear this. God is not the one telling us that. No, God's word is written instead across Esau's tear-stained face. The last time Jacob saw his brother, his twin brother, Esau was threatening to kill him. After all, Jacob had just conned his brother out of their father's blessing. Young Jacob went on the lamb, fleeing to his uncle's country with Esau's threats echoing in his ears. 20 years passed, and now Jacob was migrating back to his homeland. He remembered the dumpster fire that he had ignited prior to escaping his brother's wrath. He must have felt certain, certain that it was still smoldering along with Esau's anger. Can you picture Jacob bowing seven times? What an elaborate piece of theater on top of the gifts, by the way, that he had sent ahead. Down to the ground, forehead pressed into the soil, rising again, humility clinging to his cloak like dirt. Down again, up again, down and up. This is the ritual, this is the protocol for Jacob, who never expresses any remorse. This is the performance of a lifetime. What a shock, what a shock then to be swept up into that fierce embrace. But Esau ran to meet Jacob, threw his arms around his neck, kissed him, and they wept. I wouldn't be surprised if the evangelist Luke copied and pasted this scene into his parable of the prodigal son. Mercy interrupts rehearsal. Mercy interrupts performance and protocol. Like water from the rock, it bursts from a heart cracked open. Do you think Esau knew that he was going to forgive his brother that day? After all, the company of 400 men does seem a little off message. But perhaps in the span of 20 years, mercy had tended to the wounds of betrayal in Esau's heart. In the ensuing years of marriage and family and migration and work, 
I imagine Esau coming to a new awareness of the eternal one, the living God. God is more than the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, his father, even the God of Jacob. God is also the one whose own heart is full of pain. God is mercy. And God, merciful and mighty, has an abundance of blessing. Father Isaac only had one, and he unwittingly gave it to Jacob. But mercy, mercy said, there he is enough. In her book, Rising Strong, Brene Brown shares how she stumbled on the connection between forgiveness and misericordia, a heart full of pain. I was at church listening to the priest talk about forgiveness, she writes. He was sharing his experience of counseling a couple who were on the brink of divorce after the woman discovered that her husband was having an affair. They were both devastated by the potential end of their marriage, but she could not forgive him for betraying her, and he couldn't seem to forgive himself either. Father Joe looked up and said, in order for forgiveness to happen, something has to die. If you make a choice to forgive, you have to face the pain. You simply have to hurt. At that moment, said Brown, it struck me. Given the fears we feel when we experience loss, Nothing is more generous and loving than the willingness to embrace grief in order to forgive. To be forgiven is to be loved. God sat with Esau in his pain, and Esau faced it. Here's one side effect of bathing in abundant mercy. You live in the present moment. When Jacob approached him, Esau was able to let the past go. In the present, there was heartache and love and fierce tenderness. No wonder when, after Esau released his brother from that bear hug, Jacob said, seeing your face, is like seeing God's face, since you have received me so warmly. I wish the story ended there. I wish the story ended with reconciliation and renewed relationship. In one sense it does. Esau has found peace. But I don't think Jacob ever stopped living in the past. When his brother said, let's break camp and set out, I'll go with you. 
Jacob declined. When Esau went ahead to Sarah, Jacob turned to Sukkot, traveled on to Shechem. He couldn't imagine a future with his brother. He couldn't shake off the past. Maybe it was guilt. Maybe it was scarcity thinking, you know, clinging to that singular blessing. Whatever the reason, Jacob missed out on the richness of divine mercy. And in doing so, he went on to repeat the same mistakes from his family of origin. He showed so much favor to his son, Joseph, that his older sons plotted to kill that spoiled brat. When I returned to Jesus's parable, after drinking deep from Genesis, I still don't like it. I wish Matthew hadn't written it. But there are three things, three things that stand out as good news. Number one, dear Peter, asking how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Of course he wants a formula and seven times was good enough for Jacob bowing. But the question assumes that mercy is a scarce, limited resource. Ours to dole out, to distribute. Friends, this is not true. Mercy is abundant. Mercy does not begin with us, but with God. And it ends with God, too. You forgive as many times as you open yourself to mercy. As many times as you sit with the grief in your heart. Number two, the king slash master of the parable is unfortunately likened to God, but he is not God. The tried and true tool, teaching tool of the rabbis, from lesser to greater, call the Homer, is part of Jesus's repertoire too. Say, if a billionaire who hoards the world's wealth can feel compassion once in a while for a corporate underling, how much more will our loving God in heaven have compassion for us? So much more, so much more. Three, after speaking grim words about the unforgiving servant's fate in prison, Jesus says, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if you don't forgive your sister or brother from your heart. 
again. That voice in my head repeats, get your act together or God will give up on you. But that is not the still small voice of the spirit. So if there is any hint of mercy in this warning, I think it's that resentment, revenge and retribution build a fine prison cell. The path to freedom is in mercy. Mercy through forgiveness and mercy through justice, not judgment. Justice as in restorative justice, restoring right relationship between people. Justice as in upending this crooked system that puts kings and billionaires at the top, throwing people in prison over debt. Justice, as the psalmist saying, justice that shares a tender kiss with peace. There is enough mercy, friends, enough mercy to transform this hurting world. There is enough mercy because God's own broken heart comes to be with us in flesh and in bone, glimpsed in the most surprising places. For such mercy, for such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, generous giver, gracious donor of our days, glimpsed in our acts of sharing. Amen.